Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, look, ladies and gentlemen, when you got a monster, you got a monster. And today we've got an absolute monster. One of our favorites, member of the Bills Mafia. Aaron Perini joins us. Teo Flurry is going to join us. Former hockey great. Going to talk about all that's going on in the woke world of hockey. Our man, the gun show. We'll be joining in the second hour, and we will end another glorious week with the lovely, the talented, the queen of TikTok, Haley Coronia. Now, look, let's get right to it. Last night, my beloved Hoosiers just curb-stomped Illinois at Illinois. It was a beatdown. Trace Jackson Davis had 35, and the Purdue Boilermakers continue to show why they may be the number one team in the country. And I am going to get to all of that as we progress. But let's talk NFL playoffs. Coming up this week, we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Kansas City Chiefs. And what makes this out so interesting is that if you would have asked me early in the year, give me the best team in the AFC, many people would have said the Kansas City Chiefs. Most maybe would have said Bills Mafia. Most maybe would have said Josh Allen. But I, until defeated, will always go with Kansas City. So many would have said Kansas City. And if you would have asked me who is the worst team coming into the AFC, coming into the season in the AFC, I think many people Not all. Certainly there would be others, including the Houston Texans. Nobody would have thought the beloved Colts. But anyway, would have said the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm telling you, that's what makes sports absolutely glorious. You just never know. And that guy right there, you talk about opportunity. I want you to think about something. Think about what I always talk about or we on this show always talk about in terms of greatness. Now just think real quick. Baseball. What do I go to? Mike Trout. Everybody will tell you he is the best baseball player in the major leagues. We don't ever see him. Does not have a postseason moment. Does not have something where you go, man, you remember in the playoffs, he went large three straight times against Verlander or whomever. You know what I'm talking about. You got to do it in the playoffs. So you just saw a picture of Trevor Lawrence. So here's the deal. What do they say? Hey, man, to be great, you got to beat the big dog. Who's the big dog? I would argue that the big dog is still Patrick Mahomes. So now this kid here, number one pick, greatest since who? You know, Locker, Manning, all the accolades to this guy. In fact, if you go back in Trevor Lawrence world at Clemson, hey, man, you know what they did? They benched the starter of an undefeated number one team, put this kid in, and next thing you know, they win national championship. He's that kind of talented, or at least he is perceived as that kind of good. I love Trevor Lawrence when he outran Ohio State's defense in in the playoff game, but I digress. To beat a man, you got to beat the man. So here we go. Trevor Lawrence, what are you going to do? 
That's what that game comes down to. What are you going to do in the playoffs? Yes, you're going to have possibly other opportunities, but that's all this game comes down to. You know what's going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. We're going to go, holy hell, did you see that? Did you see that play by Mahomes? That's what we're going to say. He's going to find Kelsey. He's going to throw it under. He's going to run left, throw right. He's going to do all the things that we've seen Patrick Mahomes do forever and ever and ever and ever. But what's Lawrence going to do? Now, Lawrence may have more opportunities, but what's he going to do? That's a big deal in this game, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's a huge deal. The New York football Giants, a little bit the same thing. Little bit. We know. Actually, we don't. We think we know that Jalen Hurts is all that. 13 and 3. 8 and 0. But the Giants, who, by the way, don't really have a wide receiver of name, have pieced this together behind Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. You see Daniel Jones right there. Now, Daniel Jones a little farther along in his career. He could use, as we all could, a little playoff juice. But here's the deal with Daniel Jones. See him right there? It's a man without a country. It's a man without a contract. Win this game? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? The Giants and the Phillies, except they're not the Phillies, they're the Eagles. New York and Philadelphia, you win in New York? Oh, baby, that's what you're looking at here. Don't at me either, because if Daniel Jones strings back-to-back fantastic performances in the playoffs, Daniel Jones will be the New York Giants quarterback for, I don't know, Eli Manning-type years. That's what's going to happen, and you know this. It's absolutely what you know. We all know this. That's what's going to happen with Daniel Jones. So, who you got this weekend? i tell you who I got, on, and it's only Saturday. I'm going to take the Chiefs, and I'm going to give the nine. I think luck runs out on the Jags. I'm going to take the Giants, and I'll take the seven and a half because I think the Giants got a little something special. Bills and Bengals, we're going to break down coming up here with Bills Mafia member and uber, uber, uber smart political politico Aaron Perini. Cowboys and the 49ers. Oh, we'll get to that one. There's still pressure on Dak, let's be honest, and there's pressure on Brock Purdy. I heard something really stupid the other day, and I'm not surprised. Well, there's no pressure on Brock Purdy. What? They told me there's no pressure on Brock Purdy. What are you talking about? This is his opportunity with a team that has the capability of going to a Super Bowl. He may never get this opportunity again. What you see isn't necessarily what you see the people inside the buildings are seeing. Understand this. You see this, they may see something else. And all Purdy knows is this. If I win and protect the ball and don't screw it up, I get to be the San Francisco 49ers quarterback. They already said they're not bringing Jimmy G back ahead of Purdy for the playoffs. Now, in Jimmy G world, here's what's going to happen. Purdy will get hurt. Jimmy G will come back. And next thing you know, he'll lead them to the Super Bowl, and the whole thing will be in flux. But I got to tell you, 
One guy, you don't tell me he doesn't have anything to lose. And the other guy, don't tell me that Dak Prescott doesn't have anything to lose. Because, look, a little like Jeffrey Epstein on Suicide Watch every week, these guys are on being fired watched every week, and we know how that ended with Epstein. These guys, McCarthy and Dak Prescott, they're on they suck watch every week. That's what they're on. Oh, man, they lost. McCarthy, you got to go. Dak, you're not elite. Every week. You can pull this on a loss and the string will come out and it'll just play and regurgitate the same stuff. Dak, you're not elite. McCarthy, you got to get fired. I mean, let's be honest. 50-some-year-old fat white guys coaching on the sideline in modern sports, you're always going to get fired unless you win a championship. And McCarthy has won a championship, but it don't matter. It don't matter. He's always going to be fired. So they are constantly, ladies and gentlemen, not somewhat sort of, so, kind of, they are constantly on, oh, man, you are getting fired. 48-22 to 22, the first time the Eagles played the Giants. That did not work out, but don't buy it. It does not matter. Uh, I will tell you what does matter in the Eagles-Giants game, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson with the oblique, he is back. Torp adductor muscle. I don't even know what that is, but I think it's in here because it says abs. And by the way, much better since I've been working out. So he's back. Jalen Hurts seems to be healthy, and that's all good. But you got a team in the Giants that feels like it is coming together. All right, this ha- is starting to happen way too much. Fellas? This actually, you know I have a story for everything. This actually happened to me in Lima, Ohio. I sit with Randy Ayers and a bunch of others at the Lakota-Lima game in Lima, Ohio, and gunshots rang out. This is unbelievable. An 18-year-old has been arrested in connection with shots being fired. Now, if that kid was in Indianapolis, he'd be let out because our prosecutor is, uh, well, very weak and pandering. But an 18-year-old has been arrested in connection with this right here. Let's show the video. Shots ring out. People are running. What the hell are we doing? What is going on? Honest to God, shots at a basketball game. It's insane to me what's going on in this world. Now, this isn't brand new. As I said, early 90s, this is what happened at Lima. This, I will tell you, in Gary, Indiana, which is the murder capital of the United States, where I grew up going to basketball games at Westside or Roosevelt, a friend of mine one time, this idiot, He didn't really know us, but we were all players. Everybody in Gary knew me. Everybody, I'm not bragging, they just did, all right, because I'd whoop up on everybody. So we're going to go to the Gary Roosevelt Indianapolis Broad Ripple game. I'm sitting in the back seat, and a guy who really didn't hang with us, but a really good guy, great guy, says, hey, man, just in case we need it, and he pulls out a gun. It's about this big. And I'm sitting there going, hey, idiot. Uh, how about you throw that in the lake? How about we go to Lake Michigan and throw it in the lake? We don't need a gun. What are you talking about? Everybody there is going to know us. What's wrong with you? 
So he did not, again, he didn't understand. We go to the gym, everybody's cool. It's no big deal. So guns and people and stupid and basketball have been going on for at least as long as I was in high school, and that's a thousand years. Right there. It's unbelievable what's going on in our world. Just start shooting. Just start shooting. Why? I don't know why. Because you think you got to. People are idiots. All you got to do is turn on anytime, any place, anywhere, uh, any video. I saw a guy yesterday. I didn't even want to play it. Eight people jumped the guy at a gas station. The guy beat the crap out of all eight of them. The video was long. I really didn't want to show it, but away you go. I got college basketball previews. I've got Aaron Perini, Clout Public Affairs, uh, coming here in a few minutes. Uh, Back to college hoops for just a second. Hey, don't at me, people. I don't want to hear it. Well, you know, you said Woodson could. Look, they woke up at Indiana. They decided to play at Indiana. I'm very happy when Indiana wins, but I'll be very critical when Indiana loses. So don't at me about that crap. Don't even think about it. I don't want to hear it. When Indiana plays well, I'm all in. I'm with you, Indiana, my alma mater. 17 years there as a player and a coach. I'm with you win or tie, baby. I ain't with you when you don't play hard. I ain't with you when you don't compete. I ain't with you when you sit on your backside and you're uncoached. Don't even try it. I'm too old for mediocrity. Greatness or get the hell out. Purdue, you're just good, and I don't like it. You're really, really good. I like the coach. I like the staff. I like the people. I like everything about Purdue except the word Purdue and basketball as it pertains to me and Indiana and basketball. They taught me one thing in college, and that was to sit on your sport coat to straighten out the look, and I had a really bad look going on right there. So you Indiana fans, get off my backside and just freaking stop. I'm all in on you. Our friends at the Indy Star, there are three or four things that they go to whenever they need viewers. One of them is me. We got to write an article on Dockage. You people have asked me, uh, there'll be one coming in March, I assume. Homophobia or race. Those are the three things that keep a dying newspaper going. If you, uh, and I haven't read the article because I don't subscribe, but there is a scathing piece on Tony Dungy. I don't give a damn if it comes down to the author, Greg Doyle or Tony Dungy, I'll take Tony Dungy 1000% of the time. All right. I got a bone to pick with Erin Perini. Erin Perini is joining us right now. She is the Bills Mafia. She is the smartest voice in football and politics, ladies and gentlemen. But I got a bone to pick with you, lady. You ready? Yeah, let's hear it, Dan. All right. I was getting ready, by the way, if the Bills lost, to tweet you uh, about the eyes of Josh Allen, but I didn't because they won. But so today, and thank you for this, you put out on Twitter that you were joining our show. Thank you for that. Awesome. Much appreciated. But in the bottom, you put the name of uh, Bills Against the World. And I'm thinking to myself, no. Time out. The, The Bills, based on the DeMar Hamlin thing, are America's team. 
Everybody loves the Bills. You're manufacturing hate. You're manufacturing <laughs> division, woman. Let's be perfectly clear. Everybody is vastly underestimating the Buffalo Bills going into this divisional game versus the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. They don't think that Buffalo has it, but let's be perfectly clear. It's not like Joe Burrow played lights out last weekend. They had a fumble that they ran back on the defensive side to win them the game. So anybody who wants to talk about the fact that Buffalo can't beat Cincinnati this weekend, it is Buffalo versus the world. Everybody always underestimates the Buffalo Bills, the Bills Mafia, and everybody is very supportive of our team, of Damar Hamlin, but they underestimate our abilities to, to succeed in these tough situations. And I'm ready, I'm ready for Sunday. I'm going to the game. Let's go. Bills Mafia versus the world. We're going to beat Cincinnati. We're going to win this game. All I know is all year long, all I heard was Josh Allen's the greatest. The Bills are the team to beat in the in the uh, AFC. Again, I think very nicely done, by the way, from a political uh, politico by sh kind of shifting it around right there. But uh, who's ever doubting the Bills? The Bills have been the favorite all year. Not later in the season. After we lost Von Miller, obviously one of the most incredible defenders. We've had our number two wide receiver, Gabe Davis. You know, we saw a little bit of playoff Gabe in this last game, but he hasn't been what we expected when we came out of preseason, right? You've seen this Bills team. Jamar Hamlin is the backup safety, right? We lost Micah Hyde early in the season to a neck injury. And I hope to God we play again next weekend because I want Micah back on the field with Jordan Poyer. I want at least one more game with the two of them back playing safety. The Bills have faced a lot of adversity through the season. And yeah, we were the early season favorites. People were talking Josh Allen, MVP, but we have had a lot of injuries. Mitch Morris, our center, was out for a little bit with a concussion. We've had a lot of offensive line injuries and issues. Deion Dawkins was out. I mean, if you look at the amount of injuries this team has gone through, Tremaine ended. Edmonds, Tredavious White's now back on defense as well, which is a huge boost for this team. But we have had to face adversity, and we still got out wins. The Bills don't make it pretty. Let's not get confused. I've been a Bills fan my entire life. The game that we saw versus Miami is very Buffalo football. They're going to give you multiple heart attacks every game. But the point is, you got to gut out the victory, and we do. People continue, yeah, we started high, and when you don't play at that high expectation level, people begin to doubt you, and they begin to say, Josh Allen isn't what we think he is. No, no, Josh Allen is that guy. Stefan Diggs is him. Let's go. All right, emotions, high. You know what? This has been a roller coaster. The whole, you know, DeMar Hamlin thing, um, in your experience, certainly with the Bills, is there an, is there kind of can the bubble burst? Can it be like mentally and physically exhausting what this team has went through? Are you waiting for that? A little bit, but you know, you got to look back, right? Thank goodness, thank God, thank Denny Kellington, thank the incredible team, uh, the, the people in Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati Medical Center, for saving Jamar Hamlin's life. What we saw was incredible and it was heartbreaking, but thank God DeMar Hamlin seems to be doing well. He's back in the building. He's walking around. He's back with his teammates. That's a huge boost. That game versus the Patriots, Naheem Hines, that run back, 
That was that explosion of emotion. That was everything. We were so, we just had such drips and dribbles of information. Oh, squeezing hands. Did we win? He's talking. He FaceTime, you know, and then it was that explosion from Naheem. And then we had another run back. You know, we've kind of played through the emotions a little bit. DeMar's back. We're a little bit more steady, right? We're a little bit more under ourselves. Miami right now, that was the third time we had played them, and it's hard to continue to play the same team over and over. You get a level of comfort, even with Skylar Thompson as their third-string quarterback. That's an X factor because, I mean, heck, look at Brock Purdy, right? If you don't know a quarterback, you don't know how they're going to scheme their offense off of it. That's something different as well. But I think our emotions as a team right now are in a better place. This is a second home playoff game this season for this team. There is no place I would rather be than Highmark State Stadium on Sunday because this crowd is going to be loud. It is going to be very hard for Joe Burrow. It is going to be very hard for his banged up offensive line because these people want to fight. They want to win and they want to win for DeMar. This emotion now is fueling us because DeMar's back with the team. He's doing better. We are so thankful. But that's the kind of, you know, I think about that Miami regular season game when it started to snow in the fourth quarter, right? This is obvious pre-DeMar injury. And I, my husband, he was asleep. I tried to wake him up. I was like, there's 45 seconds left. We're about to win. It's a snow globe football game. This is football romance. Let's go. This is Buffalo. That's the emotion I think you're going to see more of this Sunday than you are anything where they're going to be too high or too low or they're going to come out flat because of DeMar. We're, we're a little steadier now. We're a few weeks removed in DeMar is doing well. Um, let me quote Ms. Perini. Having this game in Buffalo is snow possible. That's football romance with playoff magic waiting to happen. Now, I assume that playoff magic is Bill's magic. I'm assuming that. Yes. I mean, Orchard Park in the snow, Orchard Park in the playoffs in the snow, Josh Allen. I think about him in that Kansas City game last year that broke my heart, but he played lights out. These boys want this win. This city has been itching for it for decades. This is the closest we have gotten. And now is our chance. Snow, Buffalo, playoffs. This team has something more to fight for than any team in the NFL. I cannot wait to be there. I am so excited. I hope this is not Jordan Poyer's last home game. I hope we get more Jordan Poyer. I love him. I want him to get another contract with us. I know salary caps. I know what we're looking at here, the budget caps, team caps. But this is like, this is, this is everything you ever hope for as a Bills fan. It's why we don't build a dome on a stadium because we want the snow. We want the magic. The indie game years ago, right? That snow game was so special. When it snows in Buffalo and we're talking postseason football, that's, that's Buffalo playoff magic waiting to happen. Um, I'm, a very, I'm one of the few adult males that really listens, okay? And you tried just now to maneuver this around me, but I caught it. Let me go back to something. 45 seconds to go in the game, and your husband was sleeping. Have divorce papers been filed? Listen, he's not a Bills fan at, at, at all, really. He, you know, <laughs> my family sends a group text that's like, you know, go Bills. And he sends the Marshawn Lynch gift that says, I'm here so I don't get fined. You know, he he, he puts up with yeah. my crazy Bills fandom. He'll travel for playoff games with me. I really want to go to that London game next year, too. Um, but, you know, he, it, it, if it was a Wisconsin game, he, he would easily be awake. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I was so excited right. for the end of that Bills game, though. 
I just want, I wanted to check on that because you, you said it in passing and I'm sitting there going, wait a second here. There has to be marital strife because of your passion for the Bulls. Simple question, Joe Burrow, punchable face, not punchable face. I'm not going to say punchable face, but I will say his right. his quiet, cocky confidence. I mean, listen, if you put Matt Milano right now, we all saw that hit against Mike White. I mean, if you put Matt Milano on just a stutter step of a blitz, Joe Burrow's going to, you know, he's going to F around and he's going to find out because Matt Milano is going to come after him. I expect to see that kind of blitz package coming this weekend. We have to be disruptive in the pocket. We have to shrink the edge. I expect to see Greg Rousseau. I really want to see A.J. Epinesa step up big time on this defense and put pressure on this edge. But I would I would fully expect Leslie Frazier to be drafting up some stutter, just a, just a slight step. And then a blitz to get after Joe Burrow. And he's going he's gonna to meet Matt Milano and he's going to meet the turf because of Matt Milano. Matt Milano is a freaking stud. And I think he's uh. always been. But I got to go to something about the Bills that I really like. Brian Dable is now maybe going to be coach of the year. He leaves. They don't even mess around. This is great infrastructure by the Bills organization and Sean McDermott. All of a sudden, here comes Ken Dorsey filling the shoes of Dayball, and frankly, he's been every bit as good. Now, maybe somebody would say, well, look at what he has to work with. Maybe that's true, but I got to tell you, that's how I look at organizations. Here goes Dayball. They just shift Dorsey right in there, and it's terrific. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I don't love a run on second and long, like second and 10. It drives me nuts. I wish Dorsey would do less of that. I think we're going to see more of Josh on his legs today, but Ken and Josh have a long relationship. He was the quarterback coach. It was a great, Josh was the one who really helped, you know, push for Ken to get that offensive coordinator position because he knows him. He knows the offense. He knew how Dayball called it. I think Dayball added a little bit of difference in it, right? He, he, he schemed up a little differently, but overall, I mean, what we had a great, we lost three games all season a new offensive coordinator. I mean, what what the Pagulas have been able to do, what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built is, is a franchise for the longevity, is a franchise that can actually start to win games, win playoff games, and win the Super Bowl. That is the focus now. I, I, I used to watch Kyle Orton be our quarterback. I remember how terrible we were for so long. And to see a new offensive coordinator come in and, and be able to succeed, I mean, it really speaks to the Magulas, to Bean and McDermott, and I'm excited to be a Bills fan. Yeah, I, I agree. I Look, I'm sitting here as a Colts fan, and we're on our 14th interview, and, and they're telling me they're going to hire Jeff Saturday, who just went 1-7. and seven. I mean, that's no fun. It's no fun. You know, you're talking about how excited you are to go to a playoff game. I, I just want to be able to say, hey, look, I got to get everything done by 4 o'clock because my team is in the playoffs. Now I got to watch your team for crying out loud. Sucks. I mean, anyway, you know what? At least right. we finally get to be that playoff team. That's what I've always wanted. I, I spent plenty of years not watching the Buffalo <laughs> Bills get in the playoffs. The fact that we get to do it now, there's one Bills podcaster I listen to. He always says it's wildest dreams land. Enjoy every snap. And that's that's what I try to do every game, even if I have to mute the TV because I can't listen to Tony Romo talk to me about the Bills game anymore. Tony Romo has gone south on me. I, I think Tony Romo has started buying his own crap about a year and a half, two years ago. I, I, I thought he became, you know, he's, I don't know. He, he used to provide insight. Now he just grunts and, I, 
that's a different topic, but I got to ask you because you are not only the smartest Bills fan that I know, but the smartest political person that I know. So a uh, lot going on in the world of politics. Kamala Harris, one of them, she's the border czar and hasn't been to the border. She let her boss, which I don't know if letting her boss is the right way, but Biden goes down for a photo op that they cleaned up. How can you be the border czar and not go to the border? Well, this is very, very much the, the habit of the Biden administration. One, this is a man-made humanitarian crisis. We have seen when you surge resources to the border, not only building a wall, but providing the necessary infrastructure and resources. I mean, you've got to remember Joe Biden and Kamala Harris sidelined forces because of a made-up media narrative that immigrant that illegal immigrants were being whipped at the border. It never happen, but they don't want to see it, right? That's why they clean up for the photo ops. Because if you talk to Customs and Border Protection, if you talk to reporters who are on the border, they are telling you there are thousands of people every single day crossing the southern border of the United States. They don't want to see Biden and Harris what they've created because they know the photo op will be bad. There's no way to make the border look anything more than the disaster it has been because of the choices in this administration. She doesn't want to go there. She doesn't want to be involved. Even with the Northern Triangle countries, the opportunity, she said, to you know, go to the source, try and figure out what's going on, how we can stop people from coming into the United States. None of it has worked. I remember way back when and during the, you know, right after the Obama administration, that the Obama people were saying a thousand people crossing the border a day would be devastating. That's so many. We are seeing it day after day after day after day. They don't want to face the reality because then they have to admit we have caused a man-made humanitarian crisis in the United States with the Biden-Harris administration, and they refuse to acknowledge it. And if you remember back during the presidential primary, you saw every Democrat on the stage when they said, will you provide health insurance for free to illegal immigrants? Every single one of them raised their hand. And this is what you get as an outcome of it. You get a nonstop border crisis because they don't want to face the reality that they have failed to secure the borders of the United States. I've had two different people on our show that have made visits down there and what they're describing. You mentioned humanitarian crisis. My God, they're talking about you know, guards looking across the river, there's rapes, there's robberies, there's murders, and they can't do a thing about it. And then the same people coming in. It's unbelievable uh, what is happening. Last thing, because I got to ask, um, we've seen Joe Biden very arrogantly and smugly dismiss documents relative, I guess, to Ukraine, Russia, in a house that he owns. We've seen $49,910 in rent, which is unbelievable, from Hunter Biden to his dad, that same number going over to China. What's going to happen here? Unfortunately, I don't think very much is going to happen. You're already seeing a large part of the legacy media step in to play protection for the Biden administration. Yesterday, CNN was saying that, oh, well, this happens sometimes. People accidentally leave with classified material. That is a major issue. He was not president of the United States, so his ability to declassify documents did not exist. Here's the, this is what Republicans talk about all of the time is the double standard that exists within the media. That if Trump or any Republican does something, oh, that's terrible. And it's the back and forth tip for tat. Well, they did it, we did it, they did it, we did it. If you shouldn't have classified documents, you shouldn't have classified documents. If the media is in breathless outrage over it, the media should always be in breathless outrage over it. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see any repercussions or change of this because Joe Biden is the sitting president of the United States right now. 
All right, last, 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 last thing. You ready? Yeah. I reported that Jim Ursay, when he hired Josh McDaniels, I got this from a rock solid. This is not a joke. It's going to sound like a joke. But Jim Ursay, who was looked at a bit literally by Josh McDaniels' wife, uh, they pulled out of being the head coach of the Colts when Jim Ursay spent an unusually long time in the family bathroom, up to an hour. I was told people think it's a joke, but it's really not. This comes from an absolute rock solid inside cold source. How, how I, people come to my house. If somebody that I was meeting with spent up to an hour in the bathroom, I think I would have a problem with it. Don't you? I mean, it's a, it's a little weird. I, I there's no denying that reality. Like what? Who spends an hour? Who spends an hour in the bathroom? Like, anyways, but it's it's just, I I get it. Listen, like a lot of coaching is personality. A lot, like a lot of the front office stuff when it comes to teams is about fit for culture. And if somebody's in the bathroom that long, you're like, I don't I don't think this is gonna. If I was on a, you know, I'm married, but if I was on a date and somebody disappeared that long, I'd be like, oh, mm, I don't know that this is really gonna pan out. Right. That we've been talking for about ten to fifteen minutes. He's still got forty five minutes to go. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to see him for, you know, another 45. I mean, that you can go through it. That's I'm a whole hour you. of straight programming with, you know, all commercial breaks. I've asked everybody that I've talked to because I don't I, – I get – and you said it perfectly. Like, if you're on a date or you're – even with your husband or my wife, you'd be like, hey, what the hell are we doing in here? <laughs> I would know? be a little – I would be knocking on the door. Is everything okay? Like, we okay here? I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's an odd, odd story, but one that everybody says, yeah, I, I would have a hard time, you know, it'd be weird. Uh, all yeah. right, give me a prediction. Final score. 34-31, go Bills. Wow. All right, there it is. Aaron Perini. Nobody knows better than her. That's why we have her on. You are going to be – I got to tell – all right, last, last thing. My wife – last, last, last. My wife uh, – she was a head softball coach at Syracuse for 10 years, all right? She makes, and you do the same thing, she makes Syracuse snow weather sound romantic. Her word is pristine. It's pristine. I go, no, it's a pain. It's you make Buffalo weather and snow sound romantic. Come on. I love it. The end of that Miami game, I was so excited. I, I, oh, my gosh, it was beautiful. The snow, the crowd, the Josh sign in the stands. I mean, for me, I just, oh, I, yes, every day, twice on Sunday, go Bills, give me the snow, give me Josh Allen, give me digs, let's go. All right. My wife says, yeah, man, street hockey, boot hockey in the street. It's beautiful. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take your off work for it. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Go Dan. Bills. Go Bills. I'm rooting for the Bills because of her. I mean, why not? I mean, what the heck? I mean, if if my wife, swear to God, she's like, well, I'm telling you, Syracuse is pristine. I'm like, pristine? It's snowing up to the roof. It's like 20 degrees. All right, I got some headlines. Uh, Teo Fury is going to join us, former hockey great. We'll get into the Provolof and the different comments. College basketball amping up. NFL playoffs. This is a great weekend. Keep it right here. 
Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome back. That's always fun with Erin Perini. Go follow her at Erin, E-R-I-N-M-P-E-R-R-I-N-E. Give her a follow. She's fantastic, not only in terms of the bills, but politics in general. Prosecutors have decided to charge Alec Baldwin and the film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, each with two counts of involuntary manslaughter after Baldwin shot a cinematographer. Remember this on the Western movie Rust in 2001. Wow. Helena Hutchins was struck and killed by a live round of ammunition. Now, Baldwin has said that he did not pull the gun's trigger. He has also maintained he was not aware the gun he fired during a rehearsal contained a live round. Now, here's the deal. I don't know who to believe in this, and I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I know a lot of folks, you know, in the conservative world, they're tired of Alec Baldwin. I know Larry Elder and others that Baldwin went at are kind of, you know, not celebrating, but bringing this out. I just think this is a horrific, horrific deal. Look, I can't imagine that Alec Baldwin on a movie set tried to kill anybody. I'm, I'm sorry, it was 2021. I said 2001, my God. Uh, but I got to tell you, this is just a tragedy on all ends. I always put myself in the position of a couple of people. One, Alec Baldwin, if you didn't know what it was, maybe. I can't imagine how awful that guy must feel. The family... Um, I, I, I got to tell you, man, I, I, the family of Ms. Hutchins, I don't know what to say. She's a cinematographer. She's going to work. She's on a movie. I'm sure she's very excited. You know, it's going to be a big movie. Alec Baldwin is starting. And next thing you know, through whatever the reason, I just feel terrible. Now, look, fourth degree felony. Here's what it is in New Mexico where the incident happened. Involuntary manslaughter consists of manslaughter committed in the commission of an unlawful act not amounting to felony or in the commission of an unlawful or a lawful act, which might produce death in an unlawful manner or without due caution and circumspect. So what they're saying is Baldwin did not, did not put himself in a position basically not to do this. All right. Now, people are saying uh, he's being charged, in effect, as someone who is responsible for what happened on the set. And what his involuntary manslaughter comes down to is negligence. That's from an attorney. Um, according to the prosecutor, this wasn't a simple event that happened on a movie set. It was a failure of leadership on the movie set, which led to an incredibly tragic event. Now... Um, our voluntary manslaughter statute in, in New Mexico call, uh, consists of unintentional killings, unintentional homicides, unintentional means they didn't mean to do it. 
They didn't have the intent to kill, but it happened anyway. And it happened because of more than mere negligence, because they didn't exercise due caution or circumspection, and that's what happened here. Baldwin says he still thinks about it every day. Now, people on the set had complained about lack of security. Look, again, I I don't know. Maybe he goes to jail. Maybe he doesn't go to jail. I, I have no idea. But what I do know is I hope to God I'm never in the situation of anybody involved in this. I hope to God I'm never in the situation of Alec Baldwin or the, or the family of the people that have passed away. I, I don't think this is, I, this is just horrific. That's all I got. It's just horrific. So people can be happy because you don't like Alec Baldwin's politics. People can be, whatever you want to be, that's fine. I'm not, I'm neither. I'm reporting on it and I don't like it. I just don't. Yesterday, we told you that the Live Golf Tour, the Saudi Arabian Golf Tour, headed by Greg Norman, was going to be on the CW. Now, the CW, as you all maybe know, or maybe you don't know, the CW is on every single freaking cable channel in the world, local cable channel. I mean, I got like three CWs here. I don't even know what I, I got Comcast, I guess, but I don't even know. But all I know is I go through the guide and there's a CW. So the live tour is going to be on the CW. And I'm glad about that. Why am I glad about that? Well, I'm glad about that because frankly, I want more to watch. I want more to bet. I want more to, well, hey, wait a second here. Uh, What is this live tour? I don't really care about it, but it's a multi-year deal. And there is a streaming component. Listen to this. Here's the deal. So those of you that have interest in this, CW will broadcast each of the Live Tour's 14 events. They're also going to do it on streaming. The second and third rounds of the Live Tour weekend tournaments will air live on Saturdays and Sundays on the CW and the app. The opening round will be on the CW's app. So streaming opening rounds, Saturday, Sunday rounds. Remember, it's only 54 holes of golf in the Live Tour. So it's a lot different than the PGA Tour. What I anticipate happening here is one of two things. Either the Live Tour goes away or the Live Tour meshes back in with the PGA Tour. I don't know. They've got a lot of money. They've got all this Saudi money. They're throwing around money uh, like hair falling out of my head back in my 30s. Anyway, what happens is one of those two things. It's either going to go away, everybody's going to get tired of it, or it is going to get immersed into the PGA Tour. I got a hard time thinking it's going to supplant the PGA Tour. I got a lot of people telling me it'll be gone by the end of the year. I don't buy that. I I don't buy that at all. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Live Tour, with all the money they've got and the players that they've got, I think it's going to be interesting. I do. It's going to be around for a few years. A lot of people are going to make generational money. Good for the live tour. You want to be successful? You get on TV. That's it. Uh, I don't know how many of you watch the Lion King. The Lion or the Tiger King. The Tiger King was all the rage when we got into the pandemic and everybody, and I mean everybody, was looking at Netflix or wherever to find something interesting. We all went to the tiger, lion, whatever the hell it is, king. All right. There was a horrible person 
in this show called Carol Baskin. If you remember Carol Baskin, her husband died. There she is, that beauty. Her husband died under suspicious circumstances. Carol Baskin, well, she was kind of, sort of, maybe suspected. People were always doing this. They were sniffing around. Yeah, they were. They were sniffing around Ms. Baskin because they wanted to know what the Sam hell happened to her husband, Don Lewis. What happened? Now, Carol Baskin the other day, there he is. There's the Donimal. All these dudes with these tigers. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dylan and Ryan, but the word on the street, at least from you guys to me, is that there are more tigers in Listen to this, captivity in Texas than there are in the wild. Now, that doesn't seem right to me, unless, of course, you're trying to get everybody to have sex and we make more tigers, which I'm cool with. I'm always cool with the sex. Sorry, I am. But if that's the case, then fine, then release these folks. Now, listen to this. Carol Baskin says that her husband... He vanished in 1997, and look, this can be sexist if you want to make this sexist, but I don't blame at all, not even a little, this guy for getting the hell out after I saw just a little bit of Carol Baskin. I'm like, hey, man, you got to go. He left in 97. The word on the street, according to Carol, is that he has resurfaced the theory is that Lewis was alive in Costa Rica, baby. It's unclear. I don't know. We don't know. But Baskin, she runs a thing called Big Cat Sanctuary. It's a big cat sanctuary. She told this morning she believed Homeland Security has been in contact with Lewis. They said my husband, Don Lewis, is alive and well in Costa Rica, and yet all the drama has been made about me having something to do with his disappearance when Homeland Security has known where he is. I've mentioned it more than 60 interviews I've done since then where reporters have asked about Don. So I'm surprised everyone in the press is acting like they weren't aware of it. I was not aware of the Homeland Security document saying Don was alive and well in Costa Rica until TK2 aired November of 2021. Look, I don't know. And I honestly don't care. But I got to tell you, I did watch the Tiger King, and I think they're all idiots. I got to tell you something else. Siegfried and Roy messed around with Tigers. It did not go well. Eventually, Siegfried and Roy and anybody that messes around with Tigers is going to have a problem. These are wild animals. Make no mistake, wild animals are not your friends. How do you, why do you even have to say that? Why does somebody have to even say that? That's just common sense. Like, I don't want to go play with a tiger. All I got to look, Siegfried and Roy. I went to the show. I watched the videos of Siegfried and Roy. Couldn't be more fatherly to an animal, but it's a wild freaking animal. And one of the beauties of the Tiger King is all these dudes that worked on these farms or these sanctuaries or whatever you call them, they're missing an arm or missing a leg or missing fingers or half their face is chewed off. I don't even like dogs jumping on me. I don't even like my own dog. Look at that. That's my friend. Really? Why is your hand in there? Like, well, why is your hand in there? I, I'm going to put my hand in a tiger's mouth. Why? I'm, I'll hang up and listen. Hey, look, here's a tiger. My friends are over. We're drinking tequila. Open your mouth, Sally the tiger. 
Mm. Oh, jeez. I, I, I'm not doing it. Uh, apparently, my man Dylan says it was on Joe Rogan. So if it's on Joe Rogan, you're damn right it's true. Joe Rogan is the man. All right. So Carol Baskin's husband, Don Lewis. Hey, look. Between you and me, answer this question. I'm going to the YouTube chat. Answer this question. If Carol Baskin was your husband or was your wife and you saw that level of crazy after a while, like I'm not saying early, maybe she was, you know, I don't know. Maybe she was sane, but you saw that level of crazy, that level of insanity. You're telling me you wouldn't get the heck out and go to Costa Rica. And why always Costa Rica? Anyway, you tell me and I'll listen. I'll hang up and listen. But I'm not surprised that he's alive. Hey, Dan, I heard mountain lion tastes good. Yeah, I don't know. My neighbor was walking yesterday. True story. I went to walk my dog after the show. It was a beautiful day here. My neighbor comes up and he's got a trash bag. And I'm like, man, he's walking his dog. I go, wow. Whoa. Zozo took a big old one, huh? That's the name of the dog. He goes, no, dummy, there's a squirrel in here. And my wife immediately said, uh, bring it over, we'll cook it. And what are we, the clampets? She's like, no, I've had stewed squirrel. I go, well, I haven't, and I'm not either. No. Uh, Jay, ja, Jay Lot Gritty, who thinks I am going to, well, jinx her Hoosiers. They're my Hoosiers too, lady says, uh, Carol Baskin is cray-cray. Uh, Van Pasterman says, I actually don't know what any of this is about. I didn't watch the Tiger show. You got to watch it, VPM. I think you'll like it. I do. I, I do. I think you'll like it. Uh, Radio Blimp Mode says, if I were a husband, uh, I'd come up missing too. It's not just me, people. We talk real here. That level of crazy living on a lion farm or a tiger farm, I just don't need it. I just don't need it. Michael Wayne says roadkill is good. I may have thrown in the good there. Uh, hey, Dan, I thought you lived in a classy area. That's El Presidente. I do, but my neighbor was doing a good deed. He picked up a dead squirrel, put it in a bag, and Lee's wanting to boil and eat the thing. What a life I got. All right. A day, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about this yesterday. A day. After adding five-star recruit Walker Howard, Old Miss, and Lane Kiffin are back at it. You know I love Lane Kiffin. we got to get Lane Kiffin on the show. They added Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders pretty good. He's got the Rebels. He's got, listen to this. Listen to what Lane Kiffin now has. Um, former Big 12 starter, ton of experience, former SEC rival five-star, and they still have Jackson Dart, the transfer from USC, on the roster. Lane Kiffin may have too many quarterbacks. I don't care. Lane Kiffin's a stud. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Nick Chaplin, I saw you on Twitter today. You absolutely get a shout-out. Jay La Gritty says this. Watch out if Lee starts boiling rabbits. Fatal attraction. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on the boiler pot. Last night, she made, true story, she made spaghetti with meat sauce. Now, there was a lot of meat in there, and I had looked around the house earlier, and I asked her, I go, where does meat come from? I didn't see anything out thawing. 
Nothing was out, thawing. But yet, there was meat in the spaghetti sauce. Put it together. There was a big squirrel walking down the street in a bag dead. I hope, I hope I didn't eat squirrel. I don't want to eat squirrel. I don't want to eat squirrel. I don't want to eat rabbit. I don't want to eat pheasant. I don't want to eat dove. Tastes like chicken. You're welcome, Nick. All right, let's continue. One of the best dudes ever, Mike Bray. Mike Bray is the Notre Dame coach, been there 24 years, winning his coach in the history, much to the Digger Phelps' chagrin. Digger Phelps, I thought, was going to have conniption. I thought he was going to have heart palpitations when Mike Bray beat him as the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. Mike Bray, the head coach at Notre Dame, has decided after 23 years that he is going to retire. Here's what's going to happen with Mike Bray. I texted him this yesterday. I said, yo, Bray's been on the show, by the way. Uh, Yo, let the bidding begin. Let the bidding begin, ESPN, Fox, AB, whatever, because Mike Bray would be terrific on television. I mean terrific. So Mike Bray is going to go, and he is going to be out of coaching, which is sad for coaching because Mike Bray is a normal human being. Mike Bray isn't one of the, like, Mike Bray isn't like Mike Woodson at Indiana, where Mike Woodson says, well, you know, if you want Mike Woodson to coach your Indiana Hoosiers, then Mike Woodson has to be either flown in or you got to come see Mike Woodson. Idiot. Uh, Mike Bray's just a normal dude. You want a beer? Go see Mike Bray. Uh, you want to talk to somebody that's a human being? Go see Mike Bray. You want to talk to somebody that's fun? Go see Mike Bray. It's that simple. You want to talk to maniacs? Go see others. I'll tell you who else is a great guy, and you're not going to believe this. It's Fran McCaffrey. Fran McCaffrey is a screaming, yelling, maniacal, Fran Contu, red-faced guy on the court. But I would argue there is nobody, and I mean nobody, that is more fun to talk to pre-game, more fun to get information, or more fun to talk to at practice than Mike Bray. Nobody. I'm telling you, or Fran McCaffrey. Fran McCaffrey, Mike Bray are two of the most normal people. Now, they're different. Mike Bray on the court uh, is more of the Dean Martin type. He's more cool. He's this. Uh, Fran McCaffrey is more Frank Sinatra. He's crazy. He's nuts. He's out of his mind on the court. But he's great, great dude to talk to. Awesome. Love him. Always wanting to fight. So salute. Where's this at today? Arizona. Quit cheating Carrie Lake out of an election, by the way, in Arizona. Let's do things right. Come on. Anyway, congratulations to Mike Bray and his impending retirement. One thing he has done over the years, even though he worked for the collar, is Mike Bray, I will guarantee you, has made some money. And Mike Bray retiring, he will not live in South Bend. There's no way he lives in South Bend. He won't sit on the front row like Digger does and hand out pens and uh, a press release on himself. That's what Digger Phelps used to do. Mike Bray will be down in Miami. I don't know if he's still married or not, but if he's not, he'll be down in Miami at the Fountain Blue, hanging out, having a great time, and he's earned it. Good for Mike Bray. All right, Teo Fleury, former NHL great, is going to join us. We're going to have a discussion, well, about why is politics. Let me ask the YouTube chat. Do you like politics in your sports? Like, do you like to turn on your TV and see how the NHL is telling everybody, hey, look, look, 
we got to be this. We got to be that. We need trans people in our game. No. Sports is an escape. Look, I fell in love with basketball. And as the worst athlete in the history of Indiana, ended up playing for Bobby Knight at Indiana University, captaining for two years, going to the Elite Eight, and I couldn't touch the rim. Because why? I fell in love with a sport. That's what you do. I wasn't good enough to play professionally, but I was good enough to overcome what the hell my deficiencies are because of love of the sport. We're taking the love out. I want to talk to Teo Fleury, an NHL great, who over, he's only like 5'6", but he overcame and was a great NHL player. What the hell is the NHL doing getting so involved in not only politics, but crazy woke politics. We'll talk to NHL great Theo Fleury when we come back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, the NHL has been in the news, and I'm not sure, excuse me, it's uh, in the news for all the right reasons. I grew up in Northwest Indiana and literally, and I'm not, I'm being literal here. We literally played hockey every day on Joe Pavlik's pond, man. I, I, we, I couldn't wait to get off the bus. We would all go get our skates on and we would go uh, to the pond. And now I didn't fall in love with it like I did basketball, but I could still sing you the Chicago Blackhawks. Here come the Hawks song. Teo Fleury joins us. <laughs> legend in the NHL. Absolute freaking legend. Um, Let's go to this. Hockey in the news, I don't know, seems like to me for all the wrong reasons. Why is it a big deal if one player, one player decides, hey, look, I'm not going to participate in something I don't feel comfortable participating in, whatever the reason. Why is one player such a big deal to the wokeness that hockey is trying to push on us? Well... I, I think it's just a microcosm of everything else that's going on in the world. You know, where they're pushing us towards this, you know, dystopian nightmare. And, uh, you know, to me, it's kind of par for the course, you know, but, you know, all this, all this woke stuff, all this political stuff has no place in sports at all. You know, that's not, that's not what sports is, is, you know, was designed for. And, and uh, um, you know, people watch and play <clears throat> sports because it's escape from, you know, the realities of their own life. <clears throat> and, um, you know, but like I said, look at where we are in the world. And, uh, you know, it makes perfect sense. If, you know, if you're awake to what's going on, it, it you know it's not it's not shocking or surprising at all. You know one of the things that has it has surprised. I guess I shouldn't say. I think you're absolutely right. 
Um, but one of the things that has surprised me is it's a it's a very public push. Like the NHL website or the Twitter handle came out trans women are women and trans men are men, which is obviously not true, but it, they push it. They don't only push it through like players and supporting players. They're out there in the forefront. The NHL itself is pushing this stuff. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm pretty disconnected from the game and uh, have been for a long time. And so I really have no idea why they are, you know, pushing this agenda as hard as they are. What do you think? I know you just said that you're kind of disconnected, but what, what do you think? What, do players just go along? You love the sport. You want to play. You, you're making money. I mean, that's kind of the deal, right? Players don't want to make mm -hmm. waves because, hey, look, it's suicide almost to make waves. Yeah, you know, the, the, the guy in Philadelphia chose to make a stand. Uh, you know, he – he is now uh, being attacked by the cancel culture and, you know, they want him uh, fine. They want him, you know, some, I, I, I've even seen a few uh, reporters say for him to go back to Russia. He doesn't like, you know, what's going on. And, uh, but this is, this is, you know, sort of where we're at in society, you know, it's, it's one of those topics that, you know, you can't win this argument. You know what I mean? It's set up to where you can't win this argument. You know, you can't say that you're against it. You can't, like, you just can't comment it. You, they want you to go along with it, no matter what. Whatever their narrative is, they want you to go along with it. And if you don't want to go along with it, then, you know, you're their sworn enemy. And, you know, we've seen that with this this kid in Philadelphia is, you know, I don't want to wear the jersey. Uh, you know, I respect, you know, I, I, I don't see a problem with anything that he did. And it seems that, you know, the other side wants full 100% approval of every idiotic idea and uh, ideology that they bring to the table. And if you don't go along with it, we are going to cancel you, uh, you know. And I, I know from my own personal experience, you know, I've taken a stand against, you know, tyranny and uh, all of that. And, and they've been trying to cancel me for three years. And, uh, you know, um, I just push back and, and uh, you know, tell it like it is. And, and I'm still here and, you know, I, I haven't been banned off Twitter or, you know, any of the sites, so. Hey, um, one of the interesting things that came out of it is people kind of rallied around uh, Proporov. They, they sold out his regular jersey. Like, he's the number one selling jersey, right? So yeah. at least real people, I don't know real people, but mainstream people are like, screw this, this isn't right. Yeah, people are tired of this woke crap being pushed on them 24 hours a day, 
seven days a week. It's that simple. And especially in the hockey world, I would say the I would say that you know the majority of fans who watch hockey are conservative. So one of the tenets of wokeness, and I heard this and I thought this was really smart. One of the tenets of wokeness is you put feelings over the truth. And I thought that was brilliant. Uh, a British comedian giving yeah. a speech, I think, in front of Parliament. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I think we see that. Like, one of the things that comes out, if you don't wear a sweater, now you hear, well, you're putting lives in danger. You're promoting hate speech. And that's total crap. A guy didn't want to wear a sweater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's where we're at in society is that, if you do not want go along with the uh, liberal uh, agenda, you are their sworn enemy, right? Because nobody loves power more than, you know, the liberals. And th- that's what this is all about. It's about power. It's about power. It's about control. It's about them controlling every single aspect of your life. That's the end. That's the end goal. And part of that is pushing this woke agenda on everybody. You you mentioned where you live is the last bastion uh, in Canada. A lot of people looking at, you know, Justin Trudeau and going, well, what the hell are you really about? Is this an author- authoritarian type of thing? What did you mean by that, that you where you live is the last bastion of freedom and hope in Canada? Well, we, we are, I would say, I don't even know percentage-wise, maybe 60% uh, already a communist country here already. And uh, where I live in Alberta uh, is, you know, I would say the, the majority of conservatives live in the province of Alberta. Uh, we have a very huge election coming in May here in Alberta where we will uh, elect a new uh, premier. And, uh, and if the, the left gets in, then Canada will no longer exist as a democratic uh, country. When you, when you look at your st- uh, country and you look at the NHL, you're, you're, you know, you're 54 years old. You're paying attention. When did mm-hmm. you start seeing both start moving in a direction that it is currently moved in? I saw it right away. Um, uh, you know, it was just really strange to me how this whole pandemic all of a sudden just like appeared out of, you know, thin air. And, uh, um, and then, you know, the lockdowns, you know, the, the 24-7, you know, uh, infomercial to get vaccinated. And, you know, it was just craziness. And, uh, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. And one of the gifts that I got from that experience was, you know, that I'm a super hyper vigilant person and I can sense danger almost before it actually happens. And I saw, 
that, you know, the people in the medical field, in the medical industry were up to no good right from the very start. And, uh, you know, here we are three years later and, you know, uh, the, the, the road and the path we are headed down is one that, you know, uh, um, you know, they're talking about a one world government, you know what I mean? And, and worldwide communism, right? And we know, we know that communism doesn't work, never has, never will. And the only thing that communism uh, uh, spits out at the end of the day is mass death. That's the only thing that comes out of communism. And what are we seeing? People dropping like flies all over the planet right now. But call me, call me a crazy, call me a crazy conspiracy theorist. You know what I mean? That's their, that's their whole, you know, pushback to people who can think for themselves and think critically is they call us crazy conspiracy theorists, but it's really easy to put this puzzle together as to where we're headed and where they want us to go. One of the things that has come out of all this is the quote conspiracy theorists or theories have turned out to be correct. And in the United 100%. States, whether it's government, what? 100%. We, we've, been, we've been bang on. When, where do you see this going? Like, do you see eventually people are going to speak up? And that's one of the reasons I left ESPN and came here to OutKick. If I would have talked like this as a basketball announcer on ESPN, I'd have been fired immediately. Like, I got things, don't talk politics, don't talk the election. But I would watch others who weren't middle-aged white dudes say the dumbest things on ESPN, same job, and it's okay, but middle-aged white dude, shut the living hell up. Uh, where do you see this going? Is there going to be enough of an uprising to say, look, shut the hell up, and let's get real here? Do you ever see that happening? I don't know. We are, you know, in Canada, we are a pretty compliant uh, country. You know, it's probably why we were targeted by the World Economic Forum, you know, is because we are a compliant uh, group of people. Uh, we don't like to rattle cages. Um, but eventually, I think, you know, Canadians have a long fuse. And I believe that when that fuse finally, you know, wears out, that uh, um the, the only thing we can wish for is that people wake up to this because there's a lot of people who are completely 100% asleep as to where we're headed and where we're going. So, um, you know, I, I'm a guy that subscribes to, you know, faith. Um, you know, I think that's the only thing that's really kept me sane through this whole entire three years of, of, uh, insanity is, you know, my faith and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm praying and, and hoping that, uh, you know, that we don't get to their end goal and that, uh, you know, something significantly, um, good happens on our end, you know? So 
Last thing before I let you go. Um, hockey, the leadership, Gary Bettman, the Davis lady. I don't think hockey players, and tell me if I'm wrong, I don't think basketball players, I don't think anybody really cares who plays the sport, uh, who you're competing against. As long as you're good enough, who cares? You know, so they make it out to be if you don't, you know, they're saying, well, we want more women, we want African-American, we want trans, we want blah, 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 fine. But if you're good enough, you make it. Nobody should be given a free pass into the NHL just because of a group that they're a part of. I think most people would agree with that, No. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I hockey is one of the greatest sports, you know, probably ever invented. And, uh, you know, everything that I have in my life has come from, you know, the game of hockey. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that, you know, not only did I get to play the game, but I got to play it at the highest level and, and have a lot of success. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been disappointing uh, from a former player perspective as to the road that the NHL is, you know, going down and the path that they're taking. And uh, but we've all seen many, many examples of if you go woke, you go broke. And eventually, I'm gonna, I, you know, I can see people, you know, stop buying tickets and stop buying jerseys and. And, you know, not buying packages to watch the games on TV, I can see that they're head, headed down a very dangerous road and a dangerous path. And, you know, the only pe- the only way these people pay attention is if you hit them in the wallet. I'm going to see what's going to happen. I just think it's telling that everybody bought a popper off jersey. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you are a legend. It's an honor to talk to you. Thanks for speaking up. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Appreciate it. I think more people need to speak up, and that's why we're sitting here here at OutKick. You know, there's a big article today uh, calling Tony Dungy dangerous (laughs) because he retweeted, which apparently I think I did too, I don't know, uh, that some high schools are putting a litter box for furries And all of a sudden now, Tony Dungy, who's done more good in his life than any writer uh, in the history of the Indy Star or any newspaper, is now under attack. I mean, there's article and then retweet. Good. If I were Tony Dungy and this happened to me, look, when you don't lean right, left, excuse me, when you're not a crazy liberal, you know it's coming this summer. Greg Doyle, my ex-friend, or my friend, I don't care. He can write all the articles he wants him. He's still a friend. But wrote a scathing, he thinks, article on me. It's the best thing ever happened to me. Now he's doing the same with Dungeon. We all know. You've got to get with the liberal agenda. And if you're popular, vocal, and you don't fall right in, then stuff gets made up. Hell, in the article about me, they said no one listened to my radio show anymore in Indy. Uh, I just got a true story, a $15,000, which I really like, bonus for the winter book or the fall book, whatever it was, it ended in, I just got a bonus. I just, in a check that they sent me, I just got 15 grand. So they lie, newspapers lie, writers that are crazy liberals, woke, ridiculous people are just going to lie about you, spin it so that they 
look good. Like our guy Doyle put to my LG TBQ friends. He don't have any LG. They always say this. You should see the reaction to this article. I did, at least on me. And it was all, hey, Doyle and Indy Star, you're full of crap. So now it's Tony Dungy. And you got to understand something. This is in politics and this is in newspapers. Politics and newspapers, liberals want to divide. You know they're dying when they have to go to homophobia, which is what now Tony Dungy is dangerous because he has, as a Christian man in his mind, always stood up against, uh, I don't know if he stood against homosexuality, but he has always stood up for fathers, nuclear family, babies, anti-abortion, and that makes him bad. Because guys that write are usually divorced, usually idiots, usually phonies in what they talk about, which in this case, no question. But Dungy gets attacked because he stood up against homosexuality, against, for the Bible, in his mind, anti-abortion, made a tweet that whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it's just a tweet. So now Dungy is under attack. Because he doesn't fall in line. I'm done with Tony Dungy, so many people say. Okay, be done with him. Good. And of course, it doesn't stop there. NBC is supposed to cancel Tony Dungy because there are writers that don't like Tony Dungy. Okay, good. You don't like him. He doesn't follow your your way of thinking. Fine. What's wrong with that? Are we all, it's dangerous. They always say, no, it's not. Nobody's going out and killing anybody. I tell you the guy to follow. And I don't know. He was with OutKick for a while. Uh, Jason Whitlock just makes fun. David Zirin says, I'm done with Tony Dungy and the way the NFL and NBC coddle his white right wing extremism. He's a right wing zealot. They always have to call names. And NBC don't care. This is a guy named David Zurin. Oh, okay. Tony Dungy's going to the March for Life. Think about that. The March for Life. Our local reporter, we want, they want to support killing babies. That's what they want to support. If a March for Life is bad. All right. Then I'm bad, because a march for life makes sense to me. He's violently homophobic. This is all spin. He spoke at an anti-gay preacher's event, so he's violently homophobic, according to this guy, David Zirin. Now, of course, smartest guy in the room, Jason Whitlock, says, Master Zirin, Massa, Massa, he says, Massa Zirin is very upset. Tony Dungy won't adapt Massa's politics. Massa Zirin is upset a black man would support a March for Life event. Massa prefers the slaughter of babies, particularly black ones, in the womb. Massa wants Dungy fired. Massa loved dead and unemployed Negroes. Same thing with Greg Doyle. That's all. They'll attack me at some point again. It's all that sells. The Indy Star, they want Massa, wants Dungy to acquiesce to dirtbag writer guy. And that don't make no sense. But good, 
Everybody wants us to conform. I'm not conforming. I could have conformed. I could have stayed and been the Tuesday night analyst on ESPN. Ah, great. Wow. But this is way more fun. I sit here and I look out and it is Tony Dunn. And they're never a conversation. There's never a conversation. He is openly pro-life and that is bad. Uh, I agree with stocking milk coffee. Wanting children to live and not be murdered um, earns you a right-wing extremist tag. This week, it's Tony Dungy. Next week, who knows? Who knows? But this week, that's what it is. So be done, David Zarin, with Tony Dungy. Call Tony Dungy names, Greg Doyle. That's fine. But I go to this. Maybe Tony Dungy wrote a tweet. Here's what Doyle says. Tony Dungy is ignorant because some guy that lives in a little apartment and has done things, well, I'm not even going to get into it because I don't get personal, calls Tony Dungy ignorant. Okay. Millions are just like him. They don't want to know what the world really is. As a father of two, as a man who knows many, my way around the LGBT lying community and a suicide ward, I have zero tolerance for this bigotry. This is a man that I made so crazy, he announced in an article on me that he was an adulterer. I didn't say it. I would never tell you the true story about it, but this is what he says. He's ignorant. Tony Dungy's tweet, a tweet about LGTQB kids and litter boxes was insensitive and appalling given LGBTQ youth suicide rates in his own tragic family history. Look, if you think I get it, you got to go for shock value. But if you think tweeting out something about furries, which, oh, by the way, I've been told, don't know, don't have a picture. Greg wants pictures. Well, I don't know what to tell you. But if there's a lot of reasons, and I've dealt with this, people commit suicide. One of them is a lack of fathers. One of them is a lack of discipline. One of them is a sense of failure, not leading up to Instagram posts. I deal with this all the time. You can say whatever you want, but it isn't about Tony Dungy. Suicide isn't about LGTQ kids just reading a tweet. It's a tweet. But I understand the indie star, as Jim Banks said, is dying. So what do you go to? Homophobia. Race. Oh, man, you got to divide. Dockage. I'll show you a picture. Article about me or article about the new head coach of the Colts? Over 500 comments about me, about 30 on the new head coach. Article about me, article about the new wide receiver on the Colts, Alec Pierce. 500 plus comments on me, maybe five. We know the deal. And I don't mind Greg Doyle doing it. Hey, he's got to sell papers. I don't care what Greg Doyle does. Doesn't matter. But there is other sides to the world. And that's what makes us so incredibly popular here at OutKick. There's other sides. I mean, let's be honest. And the side that they get on, they always try to get the side of righteousness. And Greg and others at that play are the least righteous people you'll ever come about. So I don't get it. Wanting children to live and not be murdered earns you a right-wing extremist badge. That's from Stocking Mill Coffee. I'm going to buy Stocking Mill Coffee. 
So write what you want, hate who you hate, destroy people's lives if you think that's what you do. I got told I got a printed, written ass-kicking by Greg Doyle from Greg Doyle. All right. I was also told that nobody listens to my show. $15,000 goes a long, 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 long way on a bonus from, well, people listening to my show. What a world. What a world. Hey, by the way, though, you should see, I'm sure this will come out. You should see the comments that I'm getting privately. Okay. Just like the other lady at the star, Dana, wrote an article basically bashing somebody. I forget. You should see the hundreds of emails calling me. Okay, then show them. I know my way around to my LGBTQ friends. Yeah, okay. We'll be right back. Gun show next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Yeah, it's the gun show. My gunsman joins us to, well, let's be honest, set the world on fire. Your girl, she's America's girl. She's America's sweetheart. Carol Baskin, I talked about this earlier. Uh-huh. Her husband is alive, and I don't blame him for running to Costa Rica. <laughs> oh, there we go. There oh, we go. my God. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. What do you got oh out, my of, God. out of this? About it. That's phenomenal right there. That is a great photo right there. But yeah, so listen, whenever you start a segment, Dan, with uh, with my girl or America's sweetheart, God knows where that can end up. But yes, Carol Baskin, this made all the news this week because, you know, Dan, you remember, you know, it was just a couple of years ago, start of the pandemic. We're all locked down. Mandates can't do anything. We're all like we're doing puzzles and we're like doing things around the house, anything to keep entertained as we're losing our minds at home in the beginning of the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, Netflix releases Tiger King. Now, I have made the point in the last couple of years that if Tiger King came out at any other time in the in our lifetime, nobody would really care about it. But because we were all at home and had nothing else to do, we were obsessed 
with Tiger King. We're doing Zooms about it. We're talking to our friends about it. We're all about it, okay? And the big story was this past week that Carol Baskin, okay, who was, uh, you know, the main star of it, and Joe Exotic, okay, they had a feud going back and forth. And the whole premise of Tiger King, to remind the viewers out there, was that Joe Exotic claimed that Carol Baskin fed her ex-husband to the Tigers and the Lions. And that's why when he went missing, they could never find him. But lo and behold, lo and behold, my friend, Dan, we have now heard from Carol Baskin that she says that the Department of Homeland Security told her that the ex-husband is still alive. You can't make this up. And he went missing back in 1997. And she's like, she just kind of just slipped in. There's like, oh, I've got a letter from the uh, Homeland Security saying that that uh, they, they found him alive and he's in Costa Rica and he's alive and well. I haven't talked to him, but like, I'm, I'm glad that he's alive. What is this? You talk about like, what are we doing here? So it is, um, it is a, it is a, it's a crazy story because the ex-husband multi-millionaire had all like those tiger you know sanctuaries and carol baskin is a little she's crazy all right allegedly crazy i'll say she's crazy but she's all you know just looking at her you're just like oh god and then her obsession with the tigers and everything she's like you know a little uh a little out there so did it you know for the viewer you know in the back of our minds we're like could she have killed the husband because she's obsessed with the tigers and oh yeah he's getting millions of dollars Millions of dollars once he was legally declared dead. And she's always, you know, proclaimed her innocence. But this story is ripping right now, my friend. I did a video on it for Outkick. It got a ton of views um, because it's Carol Baskin. But do we trust her, Dan? Do you trust her? Do you believe that the Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security told her and gave her this alleged letter that her ex-husband is still alive? Because can we really trust this lady? No. <laughs> I trust nothing. I love the story, Mike, but I don't trust a damn thing. There is nothing in this that I trust even a little bit. Not even a skosh do I trust well, I any of this under yeah. no circumstances. What I think is, and I've read about this. No, no, no. I mean, it's suspect, but the thing is, if she's claiming that the DHS did something on such a high-profile case... I think it's up to the DHS to come out right now and be like, she's a whack job. She made it all up. Like, why is I need a statement from some like agent or somebody at Homeland Security to be like, Carol Baskin is a lunatic. She lied about this whole thing. We never told her that the husband's still alive and that he's in Costa Rica living on the beach somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it, it's such a hot. We spent so much of our lives in the beginning of the pandemic. We need to come full circle on this and find out if the guy is alive or if he got eaten by hey. tigers. I will say this, um, if I'm him, I'm getting the heck out too. I got no problem. I saw that woman as a whole lot of crazy. So I'm going to Puerto Rico so or, or wherever, Costa Rica, simply because I want the hell out of there. All right. I don't know that I saw this. And yeah. what are we doing with field goals in the NF, uh, NFL. Are we cheating with field goals? What are we doing here? What's going but, on here? This is actually really interesting, so much so that the Giants actually talked about it yesterday. So a couple of weeks back, all right, when the Giants and Eagles originally played earlier this year and the Eagles defeated the Giants, um, there was video footage that after the Eagles kicker, Jake Elliott is his name, 
kicked a field goal, something went up in the air, all right, from the grass. Something went up in the air, and it looked like a coin. I, I talked to some people. They say it might have been a bottle cap as well, or a bottle cap, I should say. So is he cheating or is he not cheating? Because according to the NFL rules, you're not allowed to use any sort of props. Now, what would a coin, what would a bottle cap do? So what it is, it's like, you know, the ball gets hiked, place kicker has the, you know, the, the, the placeholder puts a bottle cap down. So it's essentially giving it some height, which would only help when you're shoot, when you're about to kick the field goal. Think about that. I mean, it just makes sense. It's almost like a tee for a golf, for a golf ball. You get, you give it that a little bit of uh, elevation, it's going to go higher. So Jake Elliott is now getting scrutinized because there's this video footage out there so much so, Dan, that the NFL released a memo saying to NFL officials and referees to be on the lookout for this because they do consider it cheating. Jake Elliott spoke to reporters yesterday. He said, listen, we told them about it. Everybody does it. It's not considered cheating. Well, that's wrong, Jake. All right. That's absolutely wrong. It's a 15 yard penalty if you are using any sort of props or anything to enhance your field goal kicks. OK, it's a rule. All right. So just because he might claim that everybody else is doing it. Well, we don't have video footage of everybody else doing it. And on top of all that, Dan, isn't this interesting? He's kicking the he's, he's one of the best kickers in the league right now. He's got 87 percent. He's on 51 of his 53 extra points have converted successfully. He's the number two kicker in the NFL right now. And we see him using something, something that he's using. If you're propping your thing up, it's only going to give it distance. It's also going to kind of help with direction. And the numbers are backing it up. I'm no fool, Dan. I'm not a fool. Something's up. Something is up. Oh, you're not a fool. Let me ask you, is Jerry Jones a fool for keeping his kicker after the extra point performance? Is he a fool for doing that? Uh, I mean, you know, it reminded me of like there was this Yankee second baseman named Chuck Knobloch. And, you know, from second base oh, yeah. to first, it, you know, it's right there. You could toss it underhand. And he got into his head. He started making some errors. He could not throw the ball to first base because it just start, he started overthinking it so much that he, he wasn't able to he wasn't able to perform anymore. That was the end of his career. He couldn't mentally do it. You're talking five, five missed field goal uh, extra Field goals, you can't. Dan, I don't know. I mean, listen, good for Jerry Jones for still believing in the kid, but you know all lies. Everyone's going to be like, the, the Dak Prescott's going to be like this. He's not even going to even want to see it when he goes out there to kick. But all it takes is one. One successful one will get the guy mentally back there. But can you imagine if, if Mar misses it again? Oh, my God. Because it's hey, mental. Let me you tell you mean? something. It's a kicker. It's not like he's a linebacker who's massive and soft physicality to it. It's all mental with the kicking game. If he misses another imagine one. Imagine if they had to have a game winner. They had to bring a game winner, and they're going to bring this guy out. I would sit there going, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I don't think this is good. I don't think this is good. I don't think this is good. This isn't great. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, man. All right. I, I, yeah. Let me ask you a It question. should be fun. should be something, though. <laughs> Let me ask you a simple question. What, what are men doing? Like, Eric Adams is the mayor. <laughs> and he's going to make a bet. New York and Philly. New York and Philly. Like, this is New York City. Philadelphia. Ah, harumph, harumph. We boo Santa Claus. We don't care. Get out of my face, damn it. All right, next thing you know, Mayor Adams is offering vegan cheesecake 
in a bet. Vegan cheesecake. What the hell are we doing? I'm in New York City right now, Dan, and I am, uh, once this story came out that I did, I am now leading the recall effort to get this mayor the hell out of New York City. Because, you know, when they do these kind of bets, it's like you showcase and represent your best versus their best. So like the Eagles mayor or the, the Philly mayor might do like cheese steaks or whatnot, or maybe like a hot pretzel. You know what I mean? Like outside the like the stadiums or whatnot, things that represent Philadelphia. We're here in New York City. We got fantastic pizza. We got the world famous Katz's Deli. We've got everything. And then this this mayor, this mayor, you want to talk about pandering, does a vegan cheesecake. And on top of it, the Philly mayor isn't even vegan. He's not even vegan. What are you doing giving a vegan food to somebody who's not even vegan? And it's a vegan cheesecake. That's what you think New York City represents. That's what you think the best thing that we have to offer is vegan cheesecake. Get the hell out of Mary, oh, Mayor Adams. Get out. Get out. I don't That's want you what... representing me. If you think vegan cheesecake is, is the best thing that New York City has to offer, you are a lost cause, my friend, and you got to go. Yeah, I mean, look, I understand you got to pander to everything. I, but you don't have to pander to the vegans. I, I don't. You don't have to pander to the vegans. I, oh my God, pander to the cheese eaters, pander to the sausage, pander to the pizza roll it, put, put fold it. Don't pander Maybe to the freaking vegan. Screw the vegans. I know it's like. I mean, like what, like trying to get that hipster type vote. I don't know what you're going for here, but like, like vegan cheesecake would be at the bottom. Of like, uh, it's not even on the list. I would say the list is not even on the list. I mean, what is a vegan cheesecake anyway? It, it's see, vegans don't eat cheese, but you're still calling it cheesecake. What the hell is that? What are we doing here? So listen, this might be one of the worst, the worst bets that these coach that these mayors have ever done, these political figures have ever done. And it and, and the fact that it's my city right now worst. is a joke. Not only is he ruining the city when it comes to crime and letting bail reform and 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 you know and, and, and changing the laws and letting them back out on the streets. You know, I do the outkick crime files. New York City is a is a cesspool right now of of crime. But now he's but now now he's screwing us all by saying that vegan cheesecake is the best food we have to offer. Terrible. Terrible. You know what? Yeah, I'm rooting right. for the Eagles. I'm I'm rooting for the Eagles now. <laughs> Because uh, Mayor Adams makes me hate my city. <laughs> Appreciate you, bud. Have a great weekend. Take great care, stuff. everybody. Have a good one. Happy Friday. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Vegan effing cheesecake. All right. The queen of TikTok. When we come back, we got stuff. Haley, baby, let's go. Uh, when you are great and you are the queen of TikTok, you go by one name, Haley. It's like Cher, Madonna, Haley. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Haley, you've been all over TikTok. Uh, has your bank account been stolen? Are you feeling okay being on TikTok based on what I've read? I am just fine on TikTok, but I don't get like I don't make money off of TikTok because I don't want to give them any of my banking information. So I I try to, you know, stay under the radar. What are we doing this afternoon or this morning? What are we doing? Give it to me. So this segment's going to be a little different from last week because I brought you two videos that I think that you'll like. And so did all the producers. You are going to pick Dylan, Ryan, or my video, which one you like the best. So we'll have to roll. We'll roll mine first. All right, let's go. 
So this guy is doing all of these uh, conservative workouts. He says he's storming the Capitol. He's building the wall, the Second Amendment with weights. Um, but then he did the same trend and he made fun of liberals, too. And I love comedians like this. When you can make fun of yourself, you can make fun of others. And it's just like an equal playing field. You make fun of conservatives and liberals. Um, guys, let's roll the liberal one. He's looting. So now he's throwing weights in his pockets. He's stealing votes. And the classic Biden falling off the bike. That's pretty good. That's pretty clever. I'm writing, I'm taking notes here as we speak. I'm taking this very seriously. I want to make sure that we get, you know. So basically, let's recap. This is a guy doing an actual workout, first as a conservative, building a wall, and now the stealing of votes we're seeing right there. Yeah, I ain't mad at it. Pretty clever, right? This guy's clever. It's funny. And I was, I was, when I watched these, I was thinking of ways, you know, new workouts that I could add to the mix. So for liberals, no weights required, mental gymnastics, they do it all the time. I feel like uh, rage tweeting and screaming at the sky when Hillary Clinton lost the presidential election, that probably burns a lot of calories. I'm not going to lie. Then for conservatives, You've seen Trump dancing at his rallies. I think he's a lovely dancer, but I think if he added some weights, he would have pretty toned arms, don't you think? What do you think of Trump with the white man <laughs> overbite with shake weights? I, I think he would probably get a lot of flack for that. <laughs> that would be a lot of memes made I about know. Trump, I think, if he picked up a shake weight. <laughs> You know, uh, true story, every time I like to dance in my house or in the car, and every time I do it, I have to stop because every time I get going, this happens right here. This, it happens. Can't stand the white man overbite. You got to, when you're dancing in the car, it's just got to be some shoulder moves. That's really all you can do without getting into a crash. But if you're, I haven't driven in seven years because I was living in Manhattan. (laughs) But um, and I'm scared to get a car here now in Nashville. But I I'm a big car singer, karaoke party of one, not a big car dancer. Let me tell you, I dance in the kitchen. I dance in the car. I I, I danced on New Year's Eve with my wife, got mad because the band was done. But there was a lot of tequila involved. But hey, look, I was in there and I was keeping it tight. You know what I mean? I was, <laughs> I bet. I was in there. All right, what All right, else I think we, we have got? Some more, me, we got some more videos. Ryan and Dylan. All right, let's see him. Well, 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 look who we have here. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're telling me they hired you? <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. How you doing, Nick? Good, good. <clears throat> Great to hear. Well, uh, listen, I'm not going to hold you. Tell your dad I said hi. All right? Under arm. <sighs> what, are you following me around now? Don't you have a job to do? <laughs> You know, Nick, I've been meaning to ask you. Jake's actually been looking for work lately. Anyway, you could go to your manager and put a good word in for him. Classic. Classic dad jokes. Dan, I feel like you'd have some good dad jokes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey, why the long face? It's a good one. It's a three classic. Guys walked into a, three guys walked into a bar. The fourth one ducked. good stuff it's good stuff uh i 
can I tell you what I don't do? What do you don't do? I don't do? do that. I don't do that. When I'm in public, I, I am old enough and have had enough. I don't like inane, uncomfortable conversations. So if I see somebody that is true story that I might know but not know well, I'm not lying to you, Haley. I, I wear a hoodie for just this reason. I swear to God I do. I wear a hoodie and I go the other way. I am the most anti, like, that is not me in that video. I don't blame you. Absolutely. I don't blame you. No. no. I don't blame you. I, I don't like small talk. All time. I don't like small talk, but I do appreciate when people like from high school will come up to me. I'm like, see, that was very nice because I wasn't going to do that. But then they did. And I'm like, that makes me feel like a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, uh, give me the other one. Give me the other you one. You don't respect trans women because you're transphobic. I don't respect them because they're women. Trans includes the radical There's a better way to hate What did that? Can we play that again? Trans that again. You don't respect trans women because you're transphobic. I don't respect them because they're women. Trans inclusive radical misogyny. There's a better way to hate. Trans inclusive radical misogyny, obviously a joke or a spin on trans exclusionary radical feminists. Um, that's pretty good. Play beating the liberals at their own that game. Is <laughs> that is pretty funny. That that's like, man. All right. Okay. Uh, that one I'm eliminating because you you younger people, you understand all the words put together. Like, watch this in this video. There's a lot of words put together. Trans, inclusive, radical, massage. Man, I, all right, trans, okay. Radical, I get. I forget the third word. And then misogyny, I've been called that. All right. <laughs> I, so I'm eliminating that one. I'm okay. actually, my favorite one because it's the most clever. You see dad jokes in stores and that's easy. I like the first one. I thought the first one was clever. It was smart. It was topical. It was political. That was yours, and, right? Yes, I'm so thrilled that I won this week. But I like, if, and Dan, we're friends on TikTok. I need to start sending you TikToks because I, Obviously, your For You page is curated to things that you would like, but I will find videos and I'm like, this is perfect for my friend Liz. This is perfect for my friend Jen. This is perfect for my friend Dan. So now I have to like, I the, anything that I send my friends is so curated and like perfect for them. I'm like, my I don't find this funny, but my friend would find this funny. So I'm going to start sending you TikToks and we'll, we'll build up a TikTok rapport. <laughs> yes, yes. I need then to I'll up get, my tip. TikTok. I will What's help that? you. I will help you. Yeah, I need, I need to <laughs> up that game. I do. But that was clever. I think that was smart. I think that was interesting. The guy had to put, he had, and it wasn't necessarily one-sided. It was just, I don't know what they do, right? Well, it's funny. It's funny too because his captions for all of the videos are, "This is a joke. I'm a conservative." On the conservative ones, and then. On the liberal ones, his caption is, this is a joke, I'm a liberal. So he's like, it's just, he's just trying to include everyone, make fun of everyone equally. That's that's where I want to see equity. Bring back comedy. Don't be afraid of getting canceled. Just make everyone laugh and make fun of everyone. This is the kind of comedy we need. 
That's exactly right. And by the way, Dylan just shot me a text saying that this is rigged. It's not <laughs> rigged. Well, if I'm the queen of TikTok, I have, to I have to win at least the first round. It's not rigged. Right. Right. <laughs> the queen must be successful because first impressions are the most lasting. So you now will be known. I don't know. I, I don't think this makes you known anything. But, hey, you're still the queen of TikTok. Listen, and awesome it's on. Adam, by the way. Dylan and Ryan, it's get on. your game up and try to beat the queen next week. <laughs> That's exactly right. Send me whatever you think I will laugh at because, really, after this show, I don't do anything for the next 24 hours <laughs> but hang around and, I don't know, tweet, I guess. Thanks, Haley. Girl on Thank TikTok. <clears throat> I got to get back on TikTok. Hey, look, uh, we had an awesome week, and Haley and Ryan and Dylan and Chuck and – Corey and Aaron and everybody, I can't thank you all enough. couple of things this weekend that I quickly wanted to get to. Pretty good weekend in college basketball. TCU, who just got beat by uh, West Virginia in the Coliseum in Morgantown. They got to bounce back, but going into Kansas, who also got beat in Kansas at Kansas State. That's going to be an interesting game. I got to tell you, if I were going to bet one of the games on here, I would bet that Kansas beats the living crap out of TCU. Hey, look, don't look now, but UCLA's won about 12 in a row. Had a big win last night against Arizona State. When you're in the Pac-12, you go and play two games. So you play the first one at Arizona State. Second one is against Arizona so now you got to bounce back. Arizona started out great, and now they have struggled a tad. Mizzou, man, under Dennis Gates, has been terrific. Got a big win last night. Alabama's been lights out. In fact, you can make the argument that Alabama is playing better than anybody in the country right now. Purdue's playing great. Uh, Connecticut was number one. They have dropped. I don't know if you saw this last night, but a 76-game home win streak at Gonzaga has been snapped by Loyola Marymount. Stan Johnson's crew went in. There's a number of things with this. 36 straight wins for Gonzaga in January. 11 straight wins overall this year. And, of course, a 76-game home win streak has been snapped. Now, in our world here in Indiana, Indiana plays Michigan State on Sunday, and the most important game of the weekend, of course, is Valparaiso going into going into uh, Bloomington Normal and taking on the Redbirds of Illinois State, the fighting Ryan Peden slash Andrew Dockiches. I'm not sure whether I am going to be there or not, but it is a massive game. Last thing, Miami and Jim Laranega at Duke. The only thing interesting about this is when you looked at that game on our little recap board, Duke is not ranked. Like, Duke's not ranked. So I don't know. Is it Duke doesn't have players? They seem to have players. I know they've got their point guard hurt, but I got to tell you, Duke is not nearly, I mean, not even close to as interesting as they had been when Krzyzewski was there. And again, I said this earlier in the week, that's no fault of anybody. That's no fault Uh of Shire, the coach, that's no fault of his. Look, Shire is doing the best that he can, and he will get better, and the team has had massive recruiting years, but it's just not that interesting. I'm sorry, it's just not. Great player, Shire, national champion, nice uh, assistant coach, 
got the job, but it's just not as interesting. And it wouldn't really matter if Tommy Amaker was there, uh, Mike Bray, it doesn't matter. Krzyzewski was up here in terms of many things, including interest in college basketball. Hey, I got to thank all of you on the YouTube chat. You guys, man, you guys are here. Van Pasterman, Uncouth, Tanner Hall, Outkick, Michael Gordon, Dasman, John Buzzard, Jody Sheldon, Iron Man, Jim Eagle, GTO69, Greg, Ethnocentric, Durf, uh, Denver Royals, Craig Matthews. Cannot thank you all enough for your continued support of our show. We're going to be back at it. It's a monster weekend. Check out my Twitter account, at Dan Dockage. I'll have some bets uh, for you. And, of course, follow us at Don't At Me uh, and at Dan Dockage and at Outkick. It's the fastest-growing sports site in the country. Uh, Hopefully, we'll go to three hours because I like doing the show. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Have a great weekend.